0: You are now listening to the Late to the Party podcast.
1: Well, uh, we got a long way to get to uh all that one anyways. All right,
2: guys, so I'm very uh, unorganized this week because I've had a crazy week at work. So I don't know. What do you guys want to discuss today?
0: Welcome to the Late to the Party podcast. <laughs> that's where we'll <it'll> start
1: um <laughs> do we want to talk about the game of the year that was not the game of the year at all i feel
2: bad for like that whole like uh, title because it, it, most of the time that game of the century stuff never lives up to the hype anyways
0: it was also the most watched game of the year so far which is kind of wild
1: yeah i did see that stat so well, but I mean, I, I was looking very forward to it. it. Just it just never materialized.
2: I knew in the second
1: quarter that that
2: game was looking ugly, uh, you know, with Georgia being up big. But like, I, like we we made our picks last week, and I think me and you, Matt, I, Trevor, you took Tennessee, didn't you?
1: I did by a field goal.
2: Yeah, I just didn't like. He, the thing is, is not really like a knock on Tennessee. It's just like you know, you kind of get these i these feelings in college football where you just think something is bound to happen. And Tennessee, by all means, they've had a rough schedule and an incredible season. I mean, they played some very, very good teams this year. They beat up on LSU, who's looked pretty good right now. They beat Alabama. You know, it's so hard to go undefeated in the SEC. And Georgia's is one of those teams that they just always play well in a meaningful game. Outside of the ones that they usually play in Alabama the last few years, for the most part, you, you really can rely on them to win big games, and they show up and they play great in big games. So I'm not really surprised. Georgia's had that tough stretch like two or three games through the season when they were playing Kent State and Missouri where they look like completely just out of sync and just not wanting to be there. But I think now they're really in crunch time, and they have nothing to lose now. They're they they, they, they pretty much going to cakewalk now to the SEC championship game and. Even if they lose the SEC championship game, I still think they get in the playoff.
0: Uh, it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, they just dominated that Tennessee game. and uh, I mean, uh, it sucks for Tennessee. Uh, they had this Cinderella season, and they fought their one game, and yeah, that kind of season's over. And, uh, I mean, not over, but it's definitely not in their hands anymore like it was.
2: Well, here's the dilemma, and I'll ask you this, Trevor, what you guys think. And Matt, you can chime in after Trevor on this. This pre- pre- this presents a very, very interesting case now for the playoff. Now, what if LSU wins out Georgia in the SEC Championship game? Fucking chaos. Like, what happens?
1: It gets dicey because don't forget about Tennessee going down a Baton Rouge and they right. obliterated LSU. So, not only because of a three team race, I wouldn't totally give up on Tennessee right now if they go 11 and 1. No. Just because the precedent is the precedent's there. We've seen it before where Alabama, they didn't even get, they didn't even win their division once and they got to the playoff anyway, so it's not... We saw,
2: it, we, we saw it in 2016 when Ohio State lost to Penn State and then they didn't even win the Big Ten Championship and they went to the playoff.
1: Mm-hmm. So the precedent's clearly there. So even if I'm a Tennessee fan tonight, if I get to 11-1, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's not It's not over. I just... um. I think the problem the other day when I picked Tennessee, I was I was, just, I was thinking more of my heart than my head. I wanted to believe that narrative about you know them kind of coming out of nowhere, having this undefeated season, kind of like LSU did back in what, 2019. Came out of nowhere, undefeated season, high octane offense, and I kind of overlooked some of their flaws, where they still have a crappy pass defense. You saw that on Saturday. Stenson Bennett was carving them up pretty easy at times in that first half, and just they have a lot of penalties. Tennessee, we uh, I kind of whistled past the graveyard on that one, but they, thought, oh my god, that that crown number they could not handle that at all. But we've talked about it all this year.
2: Tennessee's pass defense is atrocious, and like it mm-hmm. caught up with them finally. I mean, remember that? I threw that stat out against you guys a few weeks ago. You know, you looked at something that was similar between the top five teams. Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia all have top 10 defenses. Tennessee was ranked 91st. And, you know, it, and you really put that into, like, into factor with the fact that also Georgia, from a recruiting standpoint, has unreal amount of five-star talent on that team. Whereas in Tennessee's recruiting class, granted they've been playing well, they're not as talented as Georgia is on the field from a, you know, recruiting standpoint. And the defense and the shitty play caught up with them. I mean, like, I knew right in the second quarter when it was, like, 21-3, to 3, I'm like, this game's over. I mean, Tennessee, you can talk about how good Tennessee's offense is, and, you know, they can put up a lot of points against an undisciplined, not that great of an Alabama team. But this Georgia team is, they've shown all year that they can play defense and ball out. So, I mean, I, I just thought that by that second quarter, I, I, I kind of tuned it out after that. I'm like, Georgia's got this,
1: so. Yeah, I think what gets lost is the fact that, uh, <laughs> They were definitely, the Bulldogs definitely felt disrespected with the whole Eric Gaines crowd noise situation and the fact they were ranked number That's three in the movie. Idiot. In the original polls, they were ranked number three. They definitely were a motivated, disrespected team. It showed, and you kind of forget about how good that freaking defense is. Like, last year, they lose all those guys. They lost their star linebacker for the year last week. But it's like, they're still a hell of a defense, man. Those three wide receivers from uh, Tennessee, they're elite. And they did hardly anything up until like the end of the game. So that just shows you between the balance of offensive defense right now. I think Georgia just, they did it in week one against Oregon. They just did it here. They kind of put everybody back on notice saying, hey, you know, we're still here. We're not going anywhere. We're still very much in contention for the title like we were last year. So I'm, you know, message received by the nation.
0: Uh, if we have three SEC teams at Georgia, Tennessee, and LSU in the championship in the playoffs, that would suck.
2: No, that's not going to happen. They're not going to put three teams in. I really do think it's going to end up playing itself out. I do think that in Georgia, it, it really is a culmination of like really dependent on like what happens with TCU because TCU is a very interesting team. If they run the table, that causes a lot of problems for that. Now, if they lose... You got to start looking at the Pac-12 and seeing what happens now. So this is why this in- the season has become a lot more interesting because you look at the play that Georgia's had this year, and the loss that Oregon suffered to Georgia in Week One is still play- paying dividends, and rightfully so because Oregon the past nine weeks has looked at one of the best teams in the country by far. They played better than Ohio State, in my opinion, on both sides of the ball. Um, and th- the thing is. You had that 45 to 3 victory now that creates issues for the Pac 12, depending on who wins that game. But then, like with TCU being undefeated, I still think now the committee is putting TCU in a spot that's saying, hey, if these guys run the table and they go undefeated, they're in the playoff. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. Now,
0: now that, I, would like, just, I just want to interrupt for a second, but that definitely could no, be the it. perfect end to the college football season for Trevor after predicting Miami to go to the playoff. Then having LSU, uh, a two-team, uh, two-loss team, winning the, the college football playoffs, <laughs> Trevor might never watch college football again.
2: That's really gonna suck. I, I just don't see how that really creates a massive problem for college football if LSU wins the wins the SEC championship game over over Georgia, because then you got to put two teams in. I feel. I mean, you can't leave LSU out. They have wins over Alabama and Georgia. I mean, I just think that, like, that creates so much issues with the playoff. But then it's like, Matt, we were talking about this. Why is it that the SEC, despite – I get it. They have – you know, that the teams that play in that conference are good. But are we going to penalize Ohio State and Michigan now, too? What if they play a hard-fought game in Columbus and say it's a game-winning field goal or some shit? Are we just going to leave one of those teams out for a two-loss SEC team, like an LSU? I, I, that's That's where my problem comes in. I think one of those two schools gets screwed out of the in, out of the playoff by not even getting a chance to play for the playoff game. Uh,
0: I think I think uh, the TCU thing is going to take care of itself this weekend, um, so I think regardless, I think either Ohio State or Michigan gets in at four, no matter what happens.
2: Well, it's that if dreaded s- force. It's that dreaded four spot. It is, yeah. and I think that's a good segue into this next game, Clemson Notre Dame. I mean. Holy shit, man. I mean, Trevor, we were talking a bunch Saturday night during the game. I know you were all riled up. It was it was an awesome game for Notre yes. Dame. Weird season for the Irish. At times, they've looked absolutely lethargic and pathetic. And then in the other sense, they've gone and played these ACC schools and just demolished them. I mean, the AC, the, the Notre Dame is completely just – I said this last week about the AC, ACC being a little overrated and the fact of the matter is, I don't think as a collective, as I, I think Clemson's a good team. I don't think they're a great team. But Notre Dame, I mean, they, they just kicked their ass on Saturday.
1: Um. So I guess I can't say fire Marcus Freeman for at least one week here. So because after the, the game. Rest of the
2: season. No, 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 no. This ends, <laughs> this ends right now. This ends right now. The rest of the season, I don't want to hear a damn thing about you saying fire Freeman this, fire Freeman that. All right. I don't It'll, care. He's he's doing exactly what you need to do to turn around a season after having an embarrassing loss like he did. He's keeping the guys motivated. He's got a good recruiting class. I don't want to hear a thing, Trevor. Nothing.
1: All right. All off till 2023. But anyway. Oh, my God. Well, considering how after the game they were mobbing him, like, they were all – the students were all in, like, a cheap suit. It was like Beatlemania. He was like a rock star on Saturday after. They love him, like, Saturday night. So, um. It'll be ironic because, like I said, coming into this year, they would go nine and three, but they lose to those three tough teams. And that would be ironic that they would maybe end up beating USC and Clemson, two top 10 teams, in route to going nine and three. That's still on the table. I just, it's funny. All the years of watching Brian Kelly, he never had a win like this. And the fact no. they were like, he you thoroughly took a team that was quote unquote top five. I know they're overrated, but. It was usually the other way around. Some team would expose us, that we would be highly rated, and some team would take it to us and kick our ass and expose us. Or for once, we did the other way. We took a team that was top five, we totally exposed them, we kicked their ass in all three phases of the game. I've never, concerning Marcus Freeman, what, he's like eight games, nine games into this, and he did that nine games into his tenure, and Brian Kelly was here over 100 games, and he never did that? I mean, how can you not be encouraged if you're an Irish fan today?
2: I have not seen a more statement of a win from Notre Dame than that 2012 season when they went to Norman and kicked the shit out of Oklahoma. That was the last time that they've had a big win like this on the road. And this is not to take away from Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame has had, you know, some big – they've had big wins over the last 10 years under Kelly, but nothing like this. Nothing Mm -hmm. like, you know – this to me is so good for Notre Dame, not only in their recruiting class, but just more of like motivation going into the season. I mean, you now, as a Notre Dame fan, I'm like, I'm excited to see what the rest of the season plays out now. The team's playing with a shitload of confidence, and now you have a potential matchup to spoil USC season at the end of the year. I mean, Notre Dame, if they run the, t- if they win the rest of their games, I think they can play for New Year's Six bowl game.
1: Yeah, I mean, not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but that's I just, a big
2: deal for Freeman because if you get there, that puts Notre Dame in a spot now where it's like, okay, well, they never won the New Year six games. They're never one of those teams that won those games. You get out there and you you can you can get over that hump. I just think that there's endless possibilities for them.
1: I mean, the key stat: they're five and zero this year when they run the ball over twenty yards. I love how they saved their season by figuring it out on the O line because they have they've had three great backs all year. It keeps showing they needed to fix the offensive line. They did. They moved Jarrett Patterson, their All-American, from center to guard. They found their two tackles is paying off. They're healthy. They got the five guys up there. I mean, Clemson's a top-ten run defense with guys that are going to the NFL, and they, they end up running the ball, had more yards against them than Syracuse. It's crazy. Pay looking-
0: attention or what? I'm just trying to look. I'm just trying to look. I'm just trying to crap on your takes for a second. Um, I do think Saturday was a good win, but I mean, at, I mean at the end of the day, if two of their losses are still against Marshall and Stanford. Um, so the season has. I don't know. You got to take that into account. You beat you beat yeah, Clemson, we but we've been talking about Clemson being a uh, an overrated team all year, and now we're supposed to give him credit for being you know, beating an obedient overrated team. I'm confused.
2: I have with that, Matt. Is like, what do you expect Notre Dame to do? Roll over and die and lose the rest well, of no, the game?
0: Well, um, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I really can't wait until we get into Wingate, but that's another subject.
2: But you talk about the but I just alluded to that whole thing with Oregon. Everyone's getting but, uh, for Oregon right yeah, I mean, now. Hold I, would def-
0: I would definitely like to thank Notre Dame for finally getting Clemson off of my TV screen because they stink. Their quarterback okay. stinks. And it's nice for Dabo Sweeney to get humbled. And as I've already said multiple times on this show, for whoever listens, I already said you have to let Freeman get his recruiting class in, and I definitely think the Clemson win definitely gets some of the uh, the haters or the doubters as as Trevor off of
1: his back at least
0: at least for another year.
1: I mean, I will say this: when you're uh... When you keep calling wide receiver screens, that's how you know your quarterback sucks, and that's what Clemson kept doing all night. On <laughs> the other night, they know their quarterback sucks. When you they don't have they don't have a quarterback. Well, have they have no so they did. He threw an interception. Yeah. First play. First play, Cade came in. He threw the pick to Benjamin Morrison. No, I know, Back but
0: Saints. I thought for sure they were gonna to go to him at halftime. But I guess it didn't really matter because he did throw the pick when he came in. So. It's irrelevant. Yeah. It's no Clemson in their quarterback situation. Clemson no was the better team, so there you are. Oh yeah. Sure. Anyways,
2: the quarterback situation is a shit show in Clemson right now, is because when you had a guy, and, and listen, I don't fault Dabble for doing this at all. I mean, like, dude, what do you expect? You got the number one recruit in the country from his class. You came to the school. It's not been working out. He hasn't played the way you want him to play. I understand that he wants to vouch for the guy, but DJ's not the guy. You know, the first year you saw it, you're like, okay, he's a freshman. We'll give him a slide. And then the sophomore year came around, he was even worse. And then junior year, it's like, okay, this year we're looking at He's like, he had some up and downs. His highs are very high. His lows are very, very, very low. And he commits a ton of turnovers. And it's also not good for Cade coming into the game now where you're wrecking this dude's confidence now because he's like going into this Notre Dame game. He's like, I can't get it done. So now every one of these Clemson fans already got a chip. He's got a chip on his shoulder now already going into next year. My question for you is this. Do you think DJ goes in the transfer portal next month in December and goes elsewhere?
1: It's weird because, I don't know, I was like reading a Clemson reporter a few weeks ago. They were saying, no, DJ is the guy. He's going to be the guy next year, too. But if he keeps playing like this and if, uh, if Dabo keeps going musical chairs on the quarterback situation, how, how do you stay if you're DJ?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the writing's gonna be on the wall. He kind of stinks, and I think he will definitely end up transferring out of there. I mean, Debo even said, uh, Dab even said, if uh, if he doesn't play, if he doesn't play better, he's not gonna play. And I don't know, he hasn't he hasn't played well in in a while, so I don't.
1: think he's for Sticking
0: around. Hmm.
1: Then again, I mean, I know we're very, very, very early into this, but K does not look great. Like that Syracuse comeback, that was not him. That was because of Will Shipley. No. We talked Um,
2: about that. He
1: threw five passes in that game. And then he throws the one pass against Notre Dame, so that could be a scary situation if Dabo goes from looking great because of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And if these next two guys here, if DJ doesn't pan out, which he's on his way to not panning out, the sample size is there, and if Cade (laughs) doesn't pan out, it's like, holy shit, you have two five-star quarterbacks and you couldn't develop either one of them, then that could be a disastrous, disastrous thing for Clemson because then you lose the mystique of Dabo and he gets exposed a little bit, and there goes your spot in the upper echelon of college football. Right.
2: Even then, like they're they're struggling as a whole right now. I mean, Will Shipley hasn't even looked good in the Notre Dame game either. I mean, they neutralized him. You got to give credit to Notre Dame defense. I mean, I said it in week one when they played Ohio State; their defense had studs. When Notre mm-hmm. Dame's off. Uh, all Notre Dame has to do with this team is just look somewhat competent on offense. If they do, the defense will have enough mojo to get them through the game because I do believe that Notre Dame has a top-10 defense. I think they're good enough to compete nationally as a top-10 defense. The problem is is that Drew Pine, has at, at points in the season, has looked completely just pathetic. And even then, we were laughing about it when we were talking about the game on Saturday night. Dude was making throws on the run and making, like – freaking Patrick Mahomes throws. I'm like, all you have to do is be a game manager and move the ball down the field. Run the ball 50 times a game, Notre Dame. Who gives a shit if it's going to get you to the end result of what you were at with Clemson? I mean, look at USC's defense. They're not good. They better run the football about 50 times against USC. So,
1: I think the formula is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play action of Michael Mayer, run the ball eight more times, play action of Michael Mayer. (laughs) And I will say, Al Golden. I don't think he's staying long. He's done a hell of a job with, the, with that Irish defense this year. He might get a look for a head coaching job next year, so wouldn't rule it out.
2: So we had a bunch of games that uh,
1: obviously we
2: could get into, but I really think that instead of covering every single game that we picked last week, we should just go into our winners and losers of the week already. Um, so mm-hmm. Who wants to start? Who wants to start with winners? Or do you want it? Let's start with our winners
1: all right uh real quick i've got the offensive coordinators of houston and smu uh more specifically rhett lashley former uh miami offensive coordinator you think they could use him right about now over there (laughs) considering how um smu beat houston last week 77 to 63 the highest scoring game in fbs history crazy what a crazy score um and then one more winner for me I know we kind of alluded, I think, Zach, maybe a few uh, weeks back, you kind of alluded to the basketball schools doing well this year. I mean, you've got UNC, what, 8-1. and one. you got Duke, 6-3. and three. you got Syracuse. I know they lost a couple in a row, but still, they have six wins. Kansas is going no, bowling. No, no.
2: No, dude, you stole my thunder. I was ready All to get right. on I'll Matt's leg. All
1: right, I'll shut up about Kansas, but I gotta throw UConn in there even. They're five and five. So the basketball schools are no longer just basketball schools in 2022. They are a football factories. Shout out to them. Those are my two winners of the week. Winners. I
0: can't hear Zach. Is he supposed to be talking about Kansas? No. Like- when you start talking about Kansas, let me know so I can mute the podcast.
2: Right, shut <laughs> up. I got to talk. I'm going to mine because mine's going to get a good segue uh, after. Congratulations
0: uh, to the team winning one out of the last five games. I'm glad. They're that-
2: fucking bowl eligible for the first time in 13 years. And granted, you want to shit on Kansas all you want, but I'm still going to give credit where it's due. It's like, dude. They had a season where I don't really hate Kansas.
0: All games. I said was that they were gonna lose every you game. You
2: do hate Kansas. You said you hated Kansas.
0: That's a, well, I hate the basketball side of Kansas.
2: Rolled into the football All right. side.
0: All right, to my to my winners, I got one winner and uh that's the Pac Twelve Conference because they have three teams with one loss, and they actually have a legitimate shot at getting one of those teams in the college football playoff. When's the last time we've re- really been able to say that? Um, I'm just going to start with, uh, Zach, do you have your winner? Because I have a loser after you're done. I went,
2: well, my winner was going to transition to my loser. All I right, had. Get, all right. I mean, now,
0: I had let, me, uh, sh- let me just get my loser real quick. My loser yeah, is right. Illinois. Fuck you guys, all right? Yeah, for, a, yep. for a second, you motherfuckers were like, oh, all right, maybe maybe Michigan and Ohio State will actually get some competition in the uh, – in the Big Ten Championship, and there you guys go shitting your fucking pants, losing to Michigan State, who's fucking too busy fighting the other team, and you fucking losers. Fucking eight guys. Losers. Losers.
2: Losers. I can't, I cannot, I can't with the Big Ten West anymore. I can't. I feel like we have a loser segment every single week now after one Big Ten West team wins a certain amount of games in a row. We're going to do the same fucking thing with Purdue probably in a week or so. We're going to do this. Like, who's who's still in first? Who's in first place in the Big Ten West? Like, remember that joke, who's on first? Who's in first place in the Big Ten West? Uh Really. Does anyone know who's in first place?
0: It's still Uh Illinois, but if they lose a couple of games at Wisconsin, like, I I don't know. They're
2: going to lose to Wisconsin, and they're definitely going to lose to Michigan. That's four losses right there.
0: So I don't know the tiebreakers, but – uh, Illinois is four and two and sitting at three and three is Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa, and Minnesota.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Zach, you hit the nail on the head, Zach, because it's like the curse of the Big Ten West. Like you said, every time we give a team a compliment and they look like they're gonna take off a little bit, get some momentum in that division, they freaking lose. Illinois is the worst example.
2: I avoided saying everything about Illinois last week because I had a feeling they were gonna fuck that game up. And I was like, I am not going to jinx myself and put them in a situation where we're going to be talking next Wednesday about how Illinois lost at home to Michigan State. It's just inexcusable. The Big Ten West, I just can't, I cannot fucking, I can't. It's it's embarrassing that the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game is going to have to play one of these sorry-ass schools in the Big Ten Championship the
1: following week.
2: I, I just, horrible, horrible.
1: Um, Zach, your winners?
2: My winner was Kansas obviously for the week. I mean, i am just, I mean, granted Kansas has been uh, a little fucking dance going on over there. No, I mean, Kansas, Kansas has been dealt a bad hand, like, uh, like after having such a great start to the season. And then we had Bozo over here in his Duke blanket talking about how Kansas wasn't going to win another game after the season because Jalen Daniels got hurt. And I'm like, dude, This team can score points, and even when the backup quarterback came in, they were still able to score points. This is a solid football team. They're they're good. They're not great. But in a season where we thought that Kansas was going to win, like, two games, maybe three if they're lucky, Lance Leopold has them bowl eligible with three games left in the season. So congrats to Kansas. I'm happy for you. Which brings you to my biggest loser of the week, Oklahoma State. What in the fuck is going on there, man? Oklahoma State has been outscored in the last two games, sixteen to sixty. Uh mm-hmm. That is pathetic. No, I'm I'm wrong about that. Sixty. I I'm pretty sure it's sixteen to seventy-seven. I'm pretty sure is what it is. It's What's the last three games you said. They lost forty-eight to nothing the week before, and then they lost by double digits to Kansas this past week. So, I mean, they're already up on the forty-eight. They're under a forty-eight point differential right there. I'm trying to pull up the score of the game right. So they've they've
0: been outscored sixteen to eighty-five the last two games.
2: Sixteen to eighty-five. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they lost forty-eight nothing to Kansas State, and then um, thirty-seven
1: to sixteen to Kansas. I think. Listen.
2: Go ahead. Go ahead, Trevor.
1: I just think the problem, like, I hate Dan Wolkin, but he brought up a good point last week. Like oh, I, I, <laughs> I,
2: I, I'm going to save that from the end of this. I fucking hate Dan Wolkin.
1: He sucks. <laughs> Me too. But anyways, did you bring up a good little point that, like, all right, a program like Oklahoma State, they're dealing with Spencer Sanders being off and on injured. They have such a thin line to toe because they're not a great recruiting school. That, you know, last year they had an amazing year because Spencer Sanders went off. Now he's hurt. I feel like that's a, a lot of the reason why. They're struggling right now because he hit a lot of their deficiencies. So I guess it makes sense to me.
2: I get it. But also it's like, here's my dilemma with this whole thing. And Trevor, I agree with you. Like, you know, we got to give these schools cr- like credit. Like what, what, like when they put up a season like this, with what they're dealing with in a recruitment standpoint. But this is what plays into like the college football rankings and why teams like LSU are top 10 teams. Because, you know, on paper, they have such good recruiting classes. And it's like, I, it, on one hand, if I'm going to give Oklahoma State credit for being a and O, am also going to give them a shitload of, uh, like, uh, shit. Is that correct? I give a shitload <laughs> of shit. Shitload <laughs> of shit. Them. Wow. Shitload of shit for them when they suck. <laughs> but it's like, dude, you start out the season undefeated. You won your first, what, seven games? And in the last two games, you've been outscored 16-85? In your own conference. I mean, we're not ta- – and, 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 and I get it. But, like, still, they, they played two teams that were ranked at some point this season. But at the same time, I'm also like, if you're going to be considered for the playoff and your fans are going to be on Twitter bitching and complaining about how the Big 12 gets no respect and how we don't rank these guys, and then people like Dan Wolkin are out here making excuses and being like, oh, well, you know, they don't recruit really well, and that's just kind of how it is at Oklahoma State, then I don't want to hear about Mike Gundy and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I said it week one when I was angry about how they play defense. I had a feeling that the season was going to trend this way because remember when they played central Michigan, they were up big in the first half and then they put some of their, uh, they started out with their guys in the third quarter and they end up giving like 42 points up in the second half. So that was kind of a thing where I'm like, I don't really know about this okay state team. This might be a a typical big 12 like um, situation here where, you know, they can score a lot of points, but they have no defense whatsoever. I, I just like, Mike Gundy is just going to be like, OK, if Oklahoma State is totally content with being 9-3, and 8-4 and four each year and getting to a decent bowl game and then every once in a while to go 10-2, and two, then fine. But he's not going to get you to the playoff. He's not going to win a national championship
1: for you. Yeah, I mean, well said. Um, do we want to move on to our, our losers? Matt, you already said you're losers. I oh, you got my loser. All right, I'll go real quick. Um, I also I said the SMU Houston OCs from that game were the winners. Obviously, their defense coordinators are losers for hence giving up 63 points and 77 points respectively. So, um, also I talked about Eric Gaines before. Man, what a freaking! That was the worst tweet of the year. Talking about how crowd noise was not going to be a factor at all for Tennessee. I think Tennessee had at least seven full-star penalties in that game. And that crowd sounded loud as hell and fired up. So, Eric Gaines, you're a bozo for saying that. And um, two more. Uh, South Florida, your boosters, what are you doing? You want you – oh, the job is John Gruden's if he wants it. Like, you're going to throw him a boatload of money, apparently. Apparently, it's tight with the uh, USF booster, South Florida. I'm like, do you want this guy who's got in trouble for sending a a ton of racist emails? You want him in charge as a leader of young men of your football program with no qualms or no issues about it? If I'm in South Florida, I might take a look at Scott Frost instead. I mean, the guy... Might be a little overrated, but he did a decent job at UCF, obviously. Why couldn't he do the same thing at USF? I I just think going to John Gruden is a bad idea. So you're one of my losers this week, South Florida Boosters. And then we obviously got to talk about it in a second, boys, but Alabama being eliminated before Thanksgiving weekend. First yeah. time in at least 10 years that's happened. We'll get into that debacle in a second, but I, I got to put Alabama on my list of losers.
2: I had two uh, other quick losers. I always label the ACC as losers each week because I think the conference is terrible. Um, But two other losers this week who have just completely just become disappointments. Syracuse uh, having, uh, you know, almost beating Clemson on the road and then just getting embarrassed to Notre Dame and then losing to Pitt. Who Pitt's been all over the place this year. But more importantly, Wake Forest. I mean, what a fucking disappointment this past weekend. Sam Hartman was terrible. Three interceptions. I'm like, dude, come on, you're supposed to be the leader of that team. You're supposed to be freaking playing your ass off. You're And you're losing to NC State who doesn't even have their starting quarterback now. I'm like, come on, man. I mean, like, I, I, I just I, – the ACC, to me, is just so infuriating because you know when teams like Miami and Florida State are having, like, down years and Miami's having a big, big down year. But I'm just, like, saying, like, these schools, like, the reason why we don't get excited about it is because this is exactly what we expect of them. Like at this point in the season, we expect Syracuse, who is going to be five and zero, to lose a dumb game on the road somewhere, or like Pitt to be a disappointment. And like, I don't know, I just can't. I they're like the Big Ten West, just unreliable, unpredictable, and inconsistent. So that's it for my losers. So, Um, all right, do you guys want to go into want to do our top sevens, and then we'll go into picks afterwards? Sure. Who wants to go first?
0: Trevor, you can go. I'm pulling a mine real quick.
2: I mean I hate I'll to be lazy. I,
1: I'll
2: I'll go after Trevor.
1: Uh, I hate to be lazy, but literally well, I guess we're doing top seven. Um I did not put LSU seven just I mean, because they have two losses, but also fuck you, Brian Kelly I still hate you guts. I don't care how good you're doing right now. Um number seven, I'll go USC just because they still only have one loss. Um but other than that, I agree with the committee this week for once. Uh Maybe it's lazy, but I just, the way I see it, Oregon six, Tennessee, I don't want to drop it down too bad, I still think they're an elite team, so they're number five, TCU at four, holding study. Michigan at three, holding study. Ohio State at two, and I had to jump down, I had to jump down with Georgia number one, so.
2: Um, so I agree with everything with the committee except for uh, one thing, so I did have uh, number seven, I have um, LSU, just because that's an impressive win against Alabama, the Tennessee loss is going to hurt them. And I don't. I, I that's going to cause problems unless they somehow win the SEC championship game. I have Oregon at six. I mean, they have turned their season around completely, but shit, they got demolished by Georgia and Tennessee. At least score wise, looked like they put more of a fight up than they did. I know it's the first week of the season, but for that reason, that's why I have Tennessee at five. You can't I? I can't have Oregon jumping over them just yet. Number four, FTCU. I, I mean. I agree with that. I have my doubts about TCU still, and I'm not really, like, confident. And I do think that, like, one of these big, tall teams is going to get them. But I I am going to give them credit for being undefeated. Here's my change. Number three, I have Ohio State. I don't – I right now think that Michigan's playing better football than Ohio State is. Ohio State is off to slow starts in games. And you can say everything, and I know me and you were all fighting about the wind and the weather on Saturday and all that shit. But like, Windgate. Windgate, <laughs> correct. We'll get into Windgate afterwards later on. But, like, I, the, the problem was with that, when, I'm, when, I'm ta- when I see Ohio State come out on the field, the thing that concerns me is that, you know, since probably the beginning of October, if not Wisconsin game, we haven't really saw them get out to a fast start. They've been really, really slow to start the game. And the defense is kind of, you know, like they make plays, but they also give up a lot of yards in the process, which kind of concerns me a bit because I'm looking at Northwestern, for example, who is not a very good offensive team. And they ran the ball all over Ohio State on Saturday during the rain. And what do you look at Michigan? Michigan's got these big offensive linemen. They got a Heisman candidate running back in Blake form. They got a great backup running back in Donovan Edwards. It's like, DJ Stroud, buddy, you better be praying that the weather's not going to be bad in Columbus in November because if Ohio State can't throw the football, and they certainly can't run the football right now because they can't block for shit, Michigan to me has the advantage right now. And if I'm, and call me crazy and call me a shitty fan, my money's on the Wolverines right now to beat the Buckeyes in Columbus right now. I have Michigan beating Ohio State in Columbus. And the reason being, unless Ohio State gets that offensive line figured out, they have to start running the football better and they cannot get out the sluggish starts. Because it doesn't give a. f I don't fucking care what JJ McCarthy can't do. Yeah, he should be more of a threat passing wise, but if they cannot run the football and if they cannot stop Blake Corm, they're fucking doomed. Michigan at number two. I know Michigan got out to a slow start against Rutgers. They fucking demolished them in the second half. They cleaned up their mistakes, and they they proved that they were the way better team. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give credit to Michigan there. So, Michigan, to me, is the second-best team in the country. And then Georgia's unanimous, number one. Not even close. So,
0: so just looking at the rankings, have you ever seen a team lose two out of three games and still remain in the top ten? Um,
1: The reference is Clemson, right? No, I. Alabama. Oh, no. No, sorry. And
0: lost two out of three games, and they're yeah. still number nine, which is very strange. Like I don't know, very it's off topic. Alabama, it's
2: it's the Alabama effect. That's what happens when you win all these national championships.
0: Kind of crazy, but I actually agree with everything the uh, the committee did, except for one thing. Um, and actually, it's kind of the same rankings as Zach. I did LSU, Oregon, Tennessee, TCU, Ohio State, Michigan, and UGA. I don't know yep. something about. Um, Something about watching the Ohio State Northwestern game—it's—I don't know—it's just like something about Stroud's face and just his demeanor during the whole game. Just like, yep. even when even when he scored a touchdown, like his face kind of just like like a weird—I like, don't know—I'm trying to read somebody through the TV, but just felt like he had like a sour puss on his face, and it's just like, come on, brother! Like, I—I I get like you don't want to be playing in that crappy weather, but I mean, you're still probably the most talented player on the field. You gotta right. You gotta the smell blood and water, especially when you're I mean, you're I mean, in all fairness, you're playing a team that can run three plays on you, right? You all you really needed to do was score a couple touchdowns early and the game was the game was over. But instead your offense sputtered all game and you kinda gave Northwestern a little bit of hope, even though they never really had hope because their offense sucked. But I mean he's got I mean, he's gotta look like he wants it a little bit more. If he's gonna want right. if he's gonna win a national championship, he's definitely gonna make sure look like he wants it a little bit more.
2: I want. I. I. Dude. I agree with you 100%. I mean, the Northwestern players, like during the rainstorm, the rain was picking up. The entire team was jumping around, getting all amped up, and and Ohio State was just kind of sitting on the sidelines in their coats around the bench, like trying to stay warm and away from the rain. I'm like, guys, and this is exactly what we alluded to last year when they went to Ann Arbor. I'm like, this team just. I hate to use the word the S word here, but they look a little soft.
1: They, they well, do. I mean, that was kind of the issue a little bit last year, right? And did Ryan Day allude to that, like, after they beat Notre Dame, he's like, yo, I knew that software was thrown around, we kind of showed the country something tonight, but it hasn't totally gone away, I feel like, kind of to what you alluded to, Zach, I mean, it's kind of ironic. You're a Big Ten team, and you look like you just have the offense to play in a dome, and and, that's, like,
2: and that's not the defense. And I guarantee the defense did have yeah. a couple bad drives in the first half. The defense is they have more toughness than they did last year. Uh, they, the they defense
0: is balling for sure. I'll definitely yeah, do it's,
2: it's the offense that has the tough. The, the linemen are getting pushed around. The running attack is non-existent. The wide receivers in cold weather look like they want to do, but you're like most importantly, like Matt said. Stroud just doesn't look like he wants to be there when the weather gets gritty so it's like alright dude well guess what Stroud you have three games left in Big Ten weather you got a game against uh, Indiana this weekend you got to go to Maryland the following weekend and you have your biggest game of your life the following weekend after you win all three of those games you don't have to worry about playing in the shit weather anymore you got a dome in Indy you're probably going to go play in a dome in the playoff and they're going to play in another dome in the, in the championship if you were to get there but in order to get there, you got to suck it up and you got to find a way to win these games. So stop pouting on the sideline. Stop acting like you don't want to be there because you're a leader. You're a quarterback. Your attitude and your demeanor completely reflects on the team. So, and granted, I'm a big Stroud fan. I love the way he plays quarterback. But we we, we gotta we gotta show some sense of toughness, or else we're gonna get our asses kicked in Columbus by the Wolverines if we act. We play like we did against Northwestern. Against Michigan, Michigan's gonna
1: win that game by three or four touchdowns. hmm Um. So just to move on before we get to the picks, yeah. Um. You know, I know you said how is Bama still in the top ten? I mean, you know, they have only lost two games by by four points on the road to two tough teams. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna totally bury them. I think I feel like hearing Greg McElroy's comments this week. It's like, can we can we just? Get off the ledge a little bit. I don't think Nick Saban's lost his fastball at all. No, I know it's not the same. You guys are going to be fine.
2: No, I I mean, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, like, I just obviously, look, they have flaws. I mean, you talked about outside of Bryce Young and Will Anderson – I mean, it's not the same Bama team. They're definitely not elite in any other aspect, right? I feel like they're average across the board this year, which is a little concerning if you're a Bama fan, obviously fine. I mean, you're not running anybody over on the offensive line. Defensively, I feel like teams can run on this team a little bit. They're still very undisciplined with the penalties we talk about. Um, Their quarterbacks are terrible. Yeah, so then the wide receivers still pop, you know? It's like, go ahead, Zach.
2: No, you remember that kid that, that – that, that, I remember Ohio State Twitter just had a meltdown in the offseason because Ryan Day and company didn't want to uh, recruit Eliza Ricks, and then Alabama ended up taking him in. He's, he stinks. He's played awful uh-huh. this season. And then, yeah. like, even, even Anderson's had some tough games. But, like, even then, you can honestly say that Bama just hasn't really – they didn't really win the transfer portal. They have just struck out on guys that normally, <laughs> like in the past, you bring him in right to a, a system like Alabama, and you're like, okay, this guy's going to fit in, like Jamison Williams, for example. And then you have a situation like Jameer Gibbs, where it's like, you know, he's good, but he hasn't technically, like, looked like a past Alabama running back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not a vintage Bama team from their ridiculously lofty expectations. I mean, they're still 7-2. and two. Um, I get it, their season. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if the players still— uh, you know, play out the string, or do they quit early, or what's going to go on there? Because they're not, you know, obviously the championship are bust there every year, but um, I think you know, i'm just a statement. the of the season. He'll yeah. play
2: against Auburn. I think Auburn will be his last game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be surprised if that happens. he uh, will be the number one pick, I'm sure, but, um, you know, let's just pump the brakes a little bit, McElroy. I know you're saying these assistant coaches aren't it, and then he wants to bring it back, like, Jeremy Pruitt. I, let's not go there yet. I feel like He's got good coaches around him. Let's give Saban a year to to figure it out. I think the guy can. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt to make some adjustments here next year. So. Well, my brother, my brother wants Bob uh, out. He has had it with him. O'Brien, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> I don't think the office is the issue. Over. I mean, they could be more explosive, but I don't know. You get, you score thirty one points in, in Baton Rouge and overtime. I mean, it's not. You know, it's like what can you do?
0: So, Should we transition okay. this into our top three for Heisman?
2: Yeah, yeah I forgot go we, go for we got to talk about Heisman. Can I, yeah, can, can I go first? Yeah, yeah I have Hendon Hooker still. I still think he's had a great year. Actually, the tie for three. Nick's has got to be in a consideration. He's played so well this year. So I'm gonna have Bo Nix and Hooker right round up on the top three spot. I have, I have CJ Stroud. Don't think that like he's had an incredible year um, you know, as a quarterback, but he needs to play better. He's he has the statistics to be there in New York, and he will be there in New York. Um my Heisman front runner right now is Blake Corm. Hmm. If you look at Blake Corm's stats this year, I mean he's on par. His stats lined up with every running back that had played and won the Heisman in the last 15 to 20 years, are as good if not better then the Ingrams, then the Derrick Henrys, and all that. He's having a phenomenal season. And he's a big reason why Michigan's undefeated this year. Because if they couldn't rely on the pass game, he's definitely there in the, in, the, in the running back game. So right now, I think that if he continues to play the way that he does and Michigan wins in Columbus in a few weeks, and he has like a 150, 200-yard game, I think Blake Corum's going to the Heisman. Matt?
0: Wouldn't that be something?
2: Uh, it would ruin my life.
0: <laughs> Hold on one second, let me uh pull up my thing. Uh, I got some notes here. Alright, <clears throat> so I still have it's not in like particular order. Uh, it is. So I have, still have CJ Stroud as my number one. Um I feel like he's the most talented and I feel like he has the best road and path to get to the Heisman. Obviously he has to beat Michigan, that's gonna be his biggest test. Um Number two, I still have Bryce Young. Even though they have two losses, he still has 785 yards in those two losses. So it's not like he's not doing his job there. And number I three, know. number 3 I'm going to give Bo Nix. I, I want to put <laughs> Corum in there. Um, it's just like, I don't know, it's just so weird for me to see a, a running back win it. Like, I would obviously like to see Corum, and he has the stats. Um, but I feel like I want to just put Bo Nix just because we all killed him off, uh, like you like it was Survivor or something in week one and all he's done is just strut his nuts for the rest of the season. But I mean I really right. do think it's gonna it's gonna either be uh Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. But I mean it's crazy. I mean, if you're asking me who did the best job this past weekend, I mean you have to say Blake Corm and like everybody else really above him kind of uh I mean take a step back, I guess.
2: I, I think he should be the front runner.
0: I mean yep. I mean, it's it sucks too for Hendon Hooker. Like I actually did think he had flaws all year, but I mean, just that showing on Saturday, uh, I I kind of think he kind of saw his way out of the race. But that that's my top three.
1: Trevor. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to give up on Hooker either because they have a great surrounding cast. But I feel like we're kind of disrespecting a couple of dark horses out here. Um, so Caleb Williams, they're eight and one. He's got twenty eight yeah. touchdowns, one pick. And guess what? Yeah. They're going against Colorado Friday night. He's going to get a chance to to really pad those stats. So let's not forget about Caleb Williams first, and right. another guy, Drake May. He's got three thousand yeah, yards passing. Say. He's got thirty one touchdowns, three picks. I mean, we want to we we shit on Carolina every week, but here they are eight eight and one. Like they're they're right there to go to the ACC title game somehow. Um, Drake may do say Notre Dame
2: doesn't fucking lose to Stanford and Marshall. Their goddamn resume for the playoff is so fucking good. God damn Notre Dame. What a joke.
1: Well, they did. Let's, let's move on from there, but Notre Dame (laughs) just disappointing me for like 17 years and counting. But anyway, anyways, um, but I'm still going to give it for now just because I think he has the best running cast. He has the best path. Like Matt said, he has the best chance to finish strong, even with the, Sloppy weather. If I'm betting, I'm going to say C.J. Stroud finds a way to get it done and get to New York and win that Heisman um, with the resume he's going to put together the rest of the year. So
2: I don't feel, I, dude, I got a gut feeling, man, and it sucks. It's really bothering me. I really do not feel good about this team. I don't.
0: Yeah, normally I don't like to get into beefs with you about this Ohio State-Michigan thing. And this is totally not even my bias, but I absolutely did think Stroud looked a little softer in that Northwestern game. 100%. Of course he did. It's just like, if you want to, I mean, if I want to make myself feel good as, as a Michigan fan, if that's how he looked there, even if it's not raining... Um, in Ohio, when we play that game on the 26th, the likelihood that it's going to be above 40 degrees is probably less than 10%. So I mean, he's going to have to play in some cold weather. He's going to have to take some hits, and bump some bumps and bruises, and he's going to have to uh, drive the team to victory. And
2: I will give I will give Stroud credit here. He not throw the football at least for fucking once this season. He was getting off the field and running and using his legs and taking hits. I will give him credit for that. So even hmm. though his sideline demeanor was kind of shit, and I wish he was kind of a little more like uh, amped up to just be out in like a crappy game like that and trying to motivate his teammates, he was putting his legs on the line and running for big plays. And it really did propel them to the win, but it's like it's fucking northwestern. They're one and eight. So it's like, you know.
0: It's actually kind of funny, like watching that game, like I do like you're right, Strahd did use his legs and he definitely deserves credit. And first like Maybe he was in full stride, but it didn't even look like he was in full stride, and that's just how much more athletic he is than everyone on Northwestern because I couldn't even keep up with him.
2: I know. Just just like, yeah. I, I, I really am not feeling particularly well right now about the OSU team. I need to see something the next two weeks because if they get out to a slow start this weekend against Indiana at home, Like they did against Iowa, then I'm I'm really, really going to have a lot of concerns because they're going to go to Maryland. And I didn't say, what about Maryland? Maryland's a tough team, too. So I mean, like, they're not going to, it's not going to be an easy game for them
1: going to college park either. And I mean, I'm not worried about the home game against Indiana. I think they'll get out quick and they'll, they'll, they'll do well there. But like you say, Zach, I think the barometer is going to be the Maryland game because if they get off to a sole start there, I think that's more of an indication of who they truly are because you're back on the road. And you're against a team that's okay. They're not Maryland's not horrible. So if you get off to a slow start there in a bigger spot, it's like okay. But I think the best thing that Ohio State happens. They had this dud. They got a win. I think it's a wake up call for the boys there. Right.
2: I mean, so, this is but and, and and to even compare what you just said, this is exactly what happened four years ago when the two twenty eighteen when Dwayne Haskins was around. They had issues all year offensively and defensively. And then I remember they played Maryland the second week of the season and they went same situation Ended the se- second last road game at College Park in a game where they went into double overtime with Maryland and gave up 45 points where they couldn't even line up correctly. And they couldn't they were committing penalties left and right. And everyone's like Michigan's going to Columbus next week and kick the living shit out of these guys. And then somehow the Buckeyes won big. So it's like it's so hard to figure out. But like still. A little bit more um, nervousness. From my side, when you have a guy like CJ Stroud, he's already got a lot of pressure on him because he didn't get it done in in Arbor last year. So, um, all right. Are you guys ready to make some picks?
1: (laughs) It's the best part of the week, but it's the worst for me since I'm in, like, dead last place for picks. But let's make some picks.
2: (laughs) All right. So, this one, there's there's not a whole lot of amazing games. So, we'll – I'll go down rapid fire. Why don't we? Do, we'll do we'll do ten quick ones. I'll give you the spread and everything like that. Let you know. I, what's gotta, going on. I gotta
0: say though, it's gonna be interesting getting to the TCU Texas game because Texas is favored by a touchdown, which is strange. That right. is strange.
2: Well, the first game we'll start out with the noon slate. I'm just gonna go by some games that will be interesting. So uh, first one that kind of catches my eye: LSU and Arkansas. LSU's favored by three. Twelve o'clock game. What do you guys think?
1: Ah. Uh. So, two weeks in a row, I said there was zero chance that Brian Kelly would beat Nick Saban. And here we are. Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban for the first time. So, fuck me, Trevor. Yeah, that's right. Brian Kelly, you and your family can come beat me up now because you got one on me. Congratulations. I'll pick you for once. LSU, 34 to 24.
0: Now, wouldn't that be something if LSU beats Alabama and then loses to
2: Arkansas? What's I have to. Arkansas is a tricky place to play
0: I don't know I think LSU knows they control their own destination for the SEC championship and I don't see them slipping up here I think they got the the swagger back even though Brian Kelly really doesn't bring the swagger I think that team just in general um is feeling it a little bit I think they're gonna win this pretty easily 41 to 17.
2: Yeah, I, I, I honestly think Arkansas, I, I think in the first half, you're going to be like, oh, it's a little close, and I think LSU's going to pull away at the end. So give me LSU 31 to 13. I think they um, will win by a few touchdowns. Next game, interesting one. Liberty to UConn. Hmm. i would take this one. Matt, go first. Liberty's favored by 14 and a half.
0: So Liberty is actually coming off of a vi- uh, a win against Arkansas. Fun fact. Uh huh. Mm, oof, this is tough at UConn. Woo. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I would. La- I, I I don't think you, uh, UConn will get blown out because I do think they're playing some good football. But I mean, they're. I mean, they're really just coming off of wins against BC and UMass. So now that they actually have to play like a real football team again, it's going to be like going from like playing the freshman squad to the senior team. Um, I will take Liberty in a closer game than what the score is going to say, but I do think Liberty just pulls away at the end. Uh, Liberty 31-13.
1: to UConn Huskies, baby. One win away from bowl eligibility. Senior day at Rensselaer Field, baby. America's favorite ballpark. Um, But I was eyeing this game for a while. Hugh Freeze has got it going on. Teacher Auburn coach, by the way, Hugh Freeze. Um, this is going to be ugly. 38 to 7. Liberty.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go Liberty to cover
1: here, too. I thought for sure UConn
2: might make it a game. They might make it interesting. I don't think they're going to get shut out, but I'm going to pick Liberty to win this one on the road. Liberty is a better team. So. All right. Uh, next one. Interesting matchup here. Alabama at Old Miss. Um, I'll go first on this one. I really dependent on what I, – I do think Alabama, like – I think this is going to be a close game. I don't think Alabama is going to blow them out. But I do think that Alabama is going to get the victory here. I just don't trust Ole Miss. They've looked like – even though they're 8-1, and one, I, I just, like, never really have been, like, fond of them. So, I'm going to go Alabama. I mean, I don't know, 35-21 to 21 over uh, Ole Miss.
0: Ever since Ole Miss lost to LSU, they've kind of just had a bad taste in my mouth. Like, ah, you had it, and you motherfuckers lost. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think L- there's there's just no way. There's no way that Nick Saban loses to Lane Kiffin and go to seven and three, right? There's no way this happens. It doesn't. I don't
2: know.
0: I'm gonna go with Alabama forty-four to twenty. Last time LSU was last time Ole Miss was in this position, they got blown out by LSU,
1: and I think it happens again. It'll be close. I think there's blood in the water for um, Lane Kiffin's team. I don't think Lane Kiffin's team is as bad as maybe Zach thinks they are, but I mean, for all the shits going on with Alabama, not that as much, but I'll be absolutely stunned if they lose two straight games. I don't see that happening. Um, 29 to 25, uh, Alabama finds a way. All
2: right, so we got a 3.30 game of a pretty good non-Power 5 ranked matchup. Number 22, UCF coming off a big win last week against number 17, Tulane. This is going to be a good game. Really good game. Um, Tulane's favored by one and a half. I like the season that the the Green Wave have been having, so I'm rolling with Tulane, and I think it's going to be a dogfight. Give me Tulane 26
1: to 19. Who's UCF playing? Tulane? Tulane at Tulane. Hmm. Twain's having a hell of a year, too. This is a sneaky good matchup. The Americans pretty yeah. decent here, huh? They're having a good year. Um, they are. The fight in Gus Malzahn. Gee, I think uh, um, Gus Malzahn could be a good fit at Auburn. Oh, wait. He pushed him out the door for no reason, even though he had, like, three wins against Alabama. How's that turning out for you, Auburn? Um, it was like the, uh,
2: what was it, what was it, uh, Bo Plain getting pushed out of Nebraska despite winning, like, thirty five games over five
1: hundred idiots. Or or Kevin Sumlin getting uh, thrown to the side for Texas AM favor Jimbo Fisher. Stupid. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah, I like the goal. I like the uh what is that the twenty eighteen national champs um UCF? Whatever year they want 2017, they want. 2017. seventeen. Twenty
2: seventeen,
1: yes, twenty seventeen. <laughs> uh, national champs UCF. Give me UCF over Tulane, thirty to twenty two.
0: Now, for a second, I actually was thinking about picking UCF, but Trevor's picks are just so bad that I'm going to have to go with Tulane now. Give me Tulane, 27-19. to
2: All right, guys, so this is a big game. The winner of this game has a chance to play for a conference championship. Wisconsin at Iowa.
1: God, this is a puke worthy matchup in the Big Ten West. Um, oh is God, this Wisconsin's, game that.
2: Wisconsin's Wisconsin's going on the road in their favorite one and a half.
1: Those poor children in that children's hospital who are suffering enough. Now they have to watch Iowa football at home against Wisconsin football. Those poor kids <laughs> can we just put like blackout curtains on those windows at that children's hospital, please. Other I than know. the crowd other than the crowd waving to them for that one little second. But um in the suck bowl, give me Jim Leonard's team, the fighting Jim Leonards, twenty to sixteen. Yes, Iowa will somehow score sixteen points. Twenty to sixteen on Wisconsin.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think Iowa's been playing pretty good lately. I feel like their offense has been a little bit better. So I'm gonna go with an upset here. I'm gonna pick the Hawkeyes to win. In this game, it's going to be a disgusting game. It's going to be, like, 21 to, like, 18 or something stupid like that. So, 21-18, Hawkeyes.
0: I'm also actually taking Iowa. It's going to be something stupid. There's going to be, like, a safety in here, a block punt, block field goal. (laughs) Uh, 25 to 18, Iowa.
2: All right, guys. Any chance of an upset this weekend? Number one, Georgia is going to Mississippi State. Georgia's favored by
1: 16. Stingray Steve, wherever you are, you oh, could god. be in prison See for you. I know. But you know, you know it's not a Apple college football podcast episode, late to the party podcast episode without me name dropping Stingray Steve. So um also shout out to my boy, um, your boy.
0: Is Dak Prescott shining down from the heavens of this game? Oh
1: god. Dak Prescott's yeah. smiling down he's gonna, be happen-
2: rolling, he's gonna be rolling around in his grave at the end of this one. <laughs>
1: Um, Georgia, 40, Mississippi
0: State, 11. Georgia, I don't know, it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, because, like, Georgia dominated the game last week, but they still only won 27 of 13, which is, like, very strange that they didn't put up more points. It feels like they scored more than that, um... I'm gonna say Georgia 31, thirty-one. to seventeen. And it's I don't know. I don't think Georgia covers. I think the game is gonna be in hand, but I could see a backdoor cover for Mississippi. So thirty-one to seventeen, Georgia.
2: Yeah, I I, I just think that Mississippi State's a weird team. They have offensive firepower. I do think that they're gonna give Georgia a little bit of game in the first half. Or just gonna be talented and, and take care of business in the second. So I'm gonna go Georgia, forty-one to twenty-four. Right, wouldn't Illinois that public. really fuck up? <laughs> wouldn't that really make
0: uh, all chaos in college football if Mississippi State won?
2: Oh my fucking god, dude! I don't even know. that we would be doing 2007 college football all over again.
1: It'd be <laughs> nuts. Better hope Georgia doesn't have that hangover from last week. So, uh. all right,
2: next game, number twenty-five. Washington's going to Oregon, uh, seven o'clock game. Oregon's favorite, thirteen and a half. I'll go first. Ducks are rolling. I just think Washington is so inconsistent. So I'm going to go Oregon big here. I'm going to say 45 to 17 Oregon will be massive over Washington.
1: Um this is a this is an interesting game. I feel like Washington's kind of like a low-key solid team. I know they've had their ups and downs, but they're they're solid. Um this game's going to be closer than you think. I'm going to say 38. Now, let's go 37-33 Ducks.
0: Kind of crazy, Michael Penix Jr. with a little resurgence of his career, huh? 3,200 yards, 23 touchdowns, kind of crazy. Um, Yeah, we were talking about him
2: earlier this year. I mean, he was off to a great start, and then Washington just struggled for a couple weeks, so.
0: I mean, you're playing at Oregon, 7 o'clock game. They are rolling, the fucking rolling Bo Nixes over there. I think they roll in this game. I'm 52-21, to Oregon. (laughs)
2: <laughs> all right final game with the of the uh, of the, uh but this is guys. the thing though
0: like i know you're like kind of just sarcastic laughing but we all know that style points in college football absolutely matter and they are gonna they, you have to cut you have to cut the throat you just keep scoring and keep scoring
2: question for you in this next game because i find this so interesting so this is our final game number four tcu is going to texas texas on texas is not only favored by seven points. The ESPN projector has them favored at 73%. They're giving Texas a 73% chance to win this game. I mean, Matt, we both agree with each other on this. I think Texas is going to win, but 73%, I mean, that's crazy. I think that TCU is probably the most laughed at four seed of all time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a little little strange that they're not even like – I mean, obviously ESPN doesn't make the odds, but it's crazy. Like there is no, um, there's just like no respect given to this team. It's, it's actually kind of strange. I mean, they're doing it. They've done everything they're supposed to and They keep just winning games and it's <laughs> a little while. but I mean, I do think this is going to be the, uh, known as the Gary Patterson revenge game. And I do <laughs> think Texas, I do think Texas takes this game, um, it's it's strange because like I want to say Texas in the upset, but they don't look at it as an upset. But I, you right. know, what? as a college football fan, I see this as an upset. I'm gonna go with Texas, 35 to 21. What is Gary Patterson like? A special assistant for Texas, something like that.
2: He's like an offensive. He's one of the. He's one in offensive assistant, I think, or something like he's that.
0: He's on the coaching staff, right?
2: Right. Yeah, he's with Texas.
0: All right. I'm gonna the Gary Patterson revenge game. I'm gonna say 35 to 21. Clock strikes midnight in Texas on TCU.
1: Alright, before I make my pick, quick disclaimer, I may suck at my picks this year, but I nailed Miami only getting three points last week. I said it was going to be 33-3. to It was 45-3, to three, so at least give me that. Miami scored three <laughs> points.
0: Let's have an asterisk next to that. Uh, asterisk next to that. Trevor gets credit with an asterisk. Don it says, Trevor also picked Miami for the playoff. No, we'll
2: put Yeah, we'll have uh, Trevor pick Miami to pick playoff, but then later on pick them to only score three points in game. So credit given here.
0: And just so you guys know, if our podcast ever gets big, Trevor's radio slash podcast name will always be Trevor Van Dyke.
1: I could probably, play quarterback. I could probably play quarterback better from miami right now than him so um
2: well as i was yelling at trevor on saturday i'd like to see trevor throw a football in 60 mile an hour wind. so i'd rather have trevor devan dyke out there right now than uh tyler van dyke or Garcia, let's set that up for the Miami uh, miami's throwing
1: out i'll have to set that up next windy day for the uh, social media page of me throwing footballs in the wind so um, I'm anyways. sorry, man.
2: I have, I have such an issue with last names. I know this is completely random, but I've had, I had such a problem with Van Dyke just because of his name alone, and I thought Miami was going to suck. And I said that already in week one when I was like, I don't really trust Tyler Van Dyke because his last name is Van Dyke. To make matters worse, Miami has a backup quarterback whose last name is Garcia. It makes me think of the mediocrity of Jeff Garcia. So Miami's doomed. Miami has no chance.
1: Geesh, I mean, okay, well, that's a weird reason I like quarterbacks. But anyways, um, if I'm, I'm Sonny Dykes, Dikes. I know I, I said T, me and you agree, Zach, TCU is due for a loss this year. But if I'm Sonny Dykes, I'm absolutely running the disrespect card into the ground. Last week, the committee disrespected them. This week, the betters and ESPN are disrespecting them. I want to say TCU gets it done. I still think they're due for a loss down the road, maybe next week against Baylor. But this will be a high-charge emotional game, rivalry game. TCU on the road, 30-18. to Love it. Love
0: it. So I got to ask a basketball question real quick. So how pissed off do you think Danny Ainge is to go to the Jazz? He's obviously trying to tank there. He trades away trades away Gobert, Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And all of a sudden, Lori Markinen comes over and decides to play LeBron like LeBron James, and they're fucking first in the West at ten and three. <laughs> I don't like,
1: think it's that bad. Can't,
2: can't, wanna, <laughs> was is back? Well, no, I just think that it, we've been talking about it the whole time with the jazz. I just think it's hysterical because this is what Danny Ainge does. I mean he doesn't tank and create crappy teams he makes good hires and then for some reason teams just play well under his management and i'm just more laughing at the fact that the lakers are two and seven than anything i'm that's what i've been enjoying about this basketball season it has been great and i'm also happy that the celtics didn't lay a fucking dud tonight and lose to the pistons like they normally do anywhere so got the shirt green teamers
0: i actually okay so i know this isn't a basketball show but I actually yeah, it's have all a good, it's
2: all good. no,
0: no, good. no, no, no. I have a um um a role uh, a prediction, or I have like a take. What do they they uh they can say? Pelgrim has like a take. Uh, I have a take in uh, like the, the pot right now. Like I'm working, on, a I'm take, cooking up a take slow, right now.
1: Take slow cooker.
0: Yeah, like i I have a take slow <laughs> cooker. In my this is a this isn't the prediction for this year because it can't happen. My prediction is that the New Orleans Pelicans within the next five years, will be looked at the same way that we looked at Golden State. And the only reason I'm saying that is because they have um, fucking uh, – who's who's the Duke player on that team? Why can't I think of his name? Oh, my God, Williamson. Zion. Williamson. So they have Williamson. <laughs> they, have Brand, they have Brandon Ingram. They have Williamson. You're um,
2: wearing the Duke blanket on your shoulders, and you can't even take a eye on Listen,
1: listen, listen, the, listen. You can't remember the greatest Duke player we've had in, like, 15 years. Can you, okay, so shut up for a
0: second. They have McCollum, Ingram, uh, Zion, Williamson, Vucevic. They have like a pretty good team, and they also own like the Lakers' number one pick for like the next like three years. So they you are know just what happens
2: in the next LeBron, the French Le, the French Lebron James is in the draft this year. Victor Yema, and if they get him, look the fuck out.
0: So that is that's, in my, that's my, in my take slow cooker right now. That if things keep trending bad for the Lakers, New Orleans, watch out for them. They are going to be a powerhouse.
2: And here's my – I have one more take before we sign off. One more thing with the NBA. I know we're college podcast here. My take is this. The New Orleans Pelicans, this will be bad for the Celtics. The New Orleans Pelicans will be in the Eastern Conference in less than five years. Oh, boy. That's not yeah, because the NBA, the NBA is going to be adding a team in Vegas, and they're adding a team in Seattle, and the New Orleans Pelicans will get moved to the Eastern Conference, and the Eastern Conference is going to be insane.
1: Can I throw an NBA balls on the table take real quick? Love yeah, it. Yeah,
2: go for it. We all did. So
1: it might not be balls on the table, but Donovan Mitchell will be NBA MVP this year. He's, he, he's. I've always been a fan of his. He might be better that I thought this year. He's just amazing right now. What a
2: great, what a great trade for the jazz and Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell gets out of Utah and starts fresh and the jazz have all the toxicity is is left there. so. So
0: gentlemen, great show. Have a great night. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the late to the party podcast.